Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program. It is Sunday, October 11th, 2020. Got another big show coming up for you tonight. Arthur Staple of The Athletic will be joining myself and Christian to talk about all the happenings going on with the New York Islanders. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you? I'm waiting for something to happen. Nothing's too, happened yet. What's going on? It is quiet. <laughs> it is quiet in Islander country. I remind everybody, we are powered by Go Hockey Media, sponsored by the Great Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great people, and great Islander fans. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. Donnie and staff do a tremendous job. And we are also sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long haul times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800. They are from Long Island, and even better, they are diehard Islander fans. So, Christian, with all that being said, the draft and free agent Friday came and went. And the only thing the Islanders really have to show for it are their third through seventh round picks and a little minor league trade. So no fireworks from the Islanders as of yet. What's going on, man? Well, you were wrong. There were no fireworks, so there's no surprises <laughs> as of yet. Right. And right no now surprises. we are simply waiting for something to happen. Obviously, the Islanders, like a lot of other teams in the NHL, have been handcuffed by the cap situation the oh, Islanders yeah. only have 8.9 million dollars worth of cap space and they have some key restricted free agents two of which did um request arbitration in uh Devontae's and ryan pulak also doing so was josh hose which will be very interesting <laughs> to see how that plays out. i mean we were obviously so shocked his yeah. name is still coming up we were so shocked that the owners even gave him a qualifying offer yes. to see that he is now going through arbitration uh is a fascinating scenario when arthur staple tweeted that i thought i was being punked when he said that he was going to be extended a qualifying offer. I was like, what is going on? And now he's filing for arbitration. When and where is that happening? Because <laughs> I would love to be there. It'll be fascinating to see how that plays out. Obviously, I think a lot of people, myself included, assumed the situation with Josh Hosang was over with, right? He goes, he gets sent to another team's minor league AHL team, and we all sort of assumed that that was it. That was The writing was on the wall. Josh Hosang's time as a member of the New York Islanders was over. Well, joke's on us because it's October. It's 11th, still coming. 2020. <laughs> He's still here. We're still talking about the guy. I don't remember the last time he even put on an Islander sweater. <laughs> that wasn't like an exhibition game or a, a camp, you it's know, training camp or whatever. It's been a while. And yet, here he is, still making the news, still making Hockey Night in New York. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, there's that situation. And more importantly, the point I was getting at was obviously the fact that the Islanders have key free restricted free agents yes. to lock up, especially Matt Barzal, who tops that list of guys that are there. And then 
unrestricted free agents that the Islanders reportedly still want to bring back. Derek Broussard, uh, you know, Matt Martin, <laughs> and Andy Green, all names that continue to still follow around the New York Islanders. Lou and is having a hard time saying goodbye. <laughs> and look, he wants to keep everybody around. And I think it was something we talked about a bit last week in the fact that Andy Green really, I think, changed the perception of his value during the playoffs. Same with Matt Martin. I think there was a certain segment of the fan base that was ready to let Matt Martin go. And look, I, I think Matt we Martin's... We were rattling off names two weeks ago, just saying, yep, he's gone, yep, yeah. he's gone. Yeah. Kunakal, apparently he might be coming right, back. Right. I mean, geez, where, where's, where's the room for all these guys coming from? There has to be a deal, and I think that's the the holdup with everything else that's tied to the New York Islanders, right? Yeah. They have this limited amount of cap space at the moment, and the emphasis now becomes clearing that space up to sign the guys you want. And obviously that means you're losing a Johnny Boychuk. You're losing a Andrew Ladd if you can finagle a deal for that. You're losing a Nick Letty. There are a ton of names we can rattle off. Even Semyon Varlamov, whose name's been bannered about as a possible chip that's traded to yeah, free up cap Gross space. put that out there on the Twitterverse. Well, it was out there. Dave, uh, Elliot Friedman had, had included it in a 31 Thoughts column a couple weeks back, oh. and Andrew did tweet that out. I believe it was Friday as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was something that was already kind of out there, and, and you know, I'd it written about it a little bit. It just didn't to make sense. No, no, because, again, we talked about how much Lou really wanted right. Varlamov. yes, we did. This was a guy that the Islanders coaching staff, the goaltending coaching staff, really targeted even before he was here, even before they signed Robin Leonard. Um, it's a guy that Lou really liked, and it was someone that they wanted to mentor Ilya Sorokin. And so I don't think that plan has changed, and especially now now with the departure of Thomas Grice, he signed a contract with the Detroit Red Wings, now a two-year deal. What was that? <laughs> the Grice is wrong, man. He's oh, gone. Jeez. <laughs> that was awful. It was great. You I enjoyed it. Dad jokes. <laughs> I'm not dad. Awful dad jokes. <laughs> All right, keep going. That changes this. And if there were, if there was any discussion at certain point uh, to try and pull something like off, like that off, listen, there are a ton of goaltenders on the market still, but I don't think you're really in a position that you want to try and go out and get someone else now. Where you know what you're getting in Varlamov, you knew what you were getting in Thomas Grice, which maybe made that kind of situation, that kind of deal, a bit more palatable if you're the New York, if you were the Islanders. Um, I think that now changes because. Grice is now signed with another team, and that, and also not to mention the fact that Thomas, I mean that Semyon Varlamov has a Semyon Varlamov has a <laughs> you're a jerk. Semyon Varlamov has a full no move clause in his contract for the next this for the this year and uh, the second year of his deal. So he still has a, a no move clause, which would make it very very difficult to trade him in the first place. Yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> I, I really want to know what's going on behind the scenes because, I mean, you, you would have thought something would have happened by now. You have the draft, and, you know, that's typically known for, for deals being made. And, and you figure maybe the Islanders are going to do something in free agency, but you just see, like, how how their hands are tied right now and, and where you have to explore, I, I suppose, possibilities of, of trading a guy like Varlamov. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it just goes to show you how up against it they are in the sense that, you know, Lou might have to get really creative and... and, and Make a deal that might not even be popular, or might we might not see coming. Kind of like the the surprise that we alluded to last week, but it's it's a very tough spot to be in, and, and I'm sure there's some Islander fans out there that might be a little frustrated or disappointed that they didn't add to the team yet or sign anybody some. big. <laughs> I'm trying to give them credit here, um, but you know 
this is unfortunately this is the way it is, and and the Islanders aren't the only team you know in that position. I mean, you, you know, you talk about teams like Tampa; they're they're in a similar spot, and and I gotta say, you know, you look at this situation. I'm still very surprised that they didn't allow for some kind of compliance, you know, buyouts. You know, I would have to think that the PA, the NHLPA, must have battled for that or something like that. Probably because, that that's something I'm sure the Players Association didn't want because it puts yeah. their guys in a, in a tough spot. And I don't. I think the circumstances around that were a little different, comparative to say when they had that when the season started, a shortened season started back in 2013 after a lot after the lockout, um, where the negotiating position was not as strong for the PA as it uh, was not as strong now for the PA as it was then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think both sides wanted to get something done, and the NHL was more than happy to kind of say, "All right, we'll bet we'll, we're not gonna." kind of push this compliance buyout issue if if you don't really want it and we can we can work it because I'm sure there was a ton of other stuff that had to be worked out as they were going through this entire return to play process that right. um you know they really had to say, sell the players association on so I'm sure that, you know that wasn't a hill that they were willing to die on essentially I guess and so here we are we have this tight cap situation the islanders who have never really been in this in the circumstances right in these current circumstances and and forever really They've always been the team like the Detroits, the Ottawa's, where they are taking on everyone else's extra extra pieces yeah, that they, they, were they can't afford or they don't want anymore. Jumping through hoops just to reach the cap floor. I mean, look, Tim no Thomas. Th- exactly. <laughs> Tim Thomas keeping Nino Niederreiter up in his rookie year when he had no business being there. All that. Thank God those days are behind us. But, I mean, yeah, it wasn't too long ago when stuff like that was happening. And, and I guess – if you want to look at it positively in any which way, it's just the fact that now they're in a position to to do the opposite, where they they're fielding competitive teams, they're you know they're paying they're paying money out to these players, and now they got to figure out a way like all the big boys, you know, to stay under the cap and try to keep their their team intact, you know, and 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 it's tough because they're really saddled by you know these con- I mean that Andrew Ladd contract is just such such a you know terrible terrible anchor on 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 the team right now. I mean, look. Can't really say anything bad about the guy, but, I mean, ever since he came over, he's just been battling injuries. He obviously hasn't produced nearly, you know, to the point where anybody hoped or expected, and it's just really, you know, weighing them down right now. And and, and I think we we kind of knew way back when that that Johnny Boychuk contract would eventually come back to bite this team. Don't get me wrong. It was still well worth it. They needed to do it. He, he's been a huge part of this team ever since he came over. In uh, one, of the, one of the brightest days in Garth Snow's history, as Islanders general manager, but now unfortunately he's he's reached that point where you know look he's he's kind of always struggled with injuries with the Islanders, but you know his body's gotten older. He's in his mid thirties and he's not producing as much. You saw how he he lost a spot to Andy Green during the playoffs. So I mean that's what another five and a half six mil. That's that's you know kind of you know he's 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 not playing up to that contract right now. I mean and you have to find a way to get rid of it. And and if and if Lou doesn't make any moves, he, I mean obviously look he has to do something. But I, I am still convinced that at the very least, Andrew Ladd will end up on LTIR if he does not get traded. And you could potentially say the same for Boychuk. Yeah, I mean, they need to find some creative ways to free up cap space. Obviously, Boychuk's contract back when he signed it a couple of years ago. Yeah, you looked at it and you went, it's it's going to be rough those last couple of years. And, and I think Islander fans at the time were willing to take it. 
Now the chickens have kind of come home to roost. They've yeah. also, yeah. It, it's not just bad, bad, I don't even want to say bad. It's just not past contracts that are coming back to haunt them. It's more recent contracts. You're talking about the Leo Komarov contracts. You know, these, Thomas Hickey uh, Thomas contract. Hickey contract. Looks like an eyesore right now. Um, even Varlamov's contract. You know, there's a reason why his it's it's being bantered around about it as a possible move to be uh, to free up some of that cap space. Those those that's a lot of money for certain guys like that for for the Hickeys for the Komarovs. Even for Varlamov when when they signed him, there was a lot of money at the time and still is for a guy that the Islanders probably could have gotten for a cheaper price and maybe not as long term. Maybe they were looking ahead and saying, all right, maybe this is a guy we can expose in, in, the, in the expansion. I was about to say fantasy draft. In the expansion <laughs> draft. Um, or we can move at a certain point once we get beyond those first two years. But at the same time now, you're looking at these deals and you're looking at the situation the Islanders are in. And granted, no one could have foreseen what was coming in the circumstances that, that it did. You know, No one saw the pandemic coming. No one saw these leagues having to stop. So... It's all this big mystery, not mystery, but it's this big mess that's kind of come about now. Right. Like I said, the chickens are coming home to roost, and the Islanders have to find a way. Lou Lamorella has to find a way to finagle some cash out and, and and free up some space so he can lock up some guys and improve the team. This is true. This is true. And with that, we got to take a break. So remember, you can always tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com for your Hockey Night in New York listening pleasure. We will be right back. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account so islander fans if your business is looking for a change from companies like spectrum verizon or optimum thai technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages just call 516-856-7800 that's 516-856-7800 or visit them on the web at thaitechnology.com that's thai t-i-e technology.com thai technology the right choice for your internet phone service the only thing better than a great Long Island deli is a great Long Island deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying, yes, yes, yes. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us right now from The Athletic is none other than Arthur Staple. Arthur, thanks for hopping on. How you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing all right. A uh, little... <laughs> 
quiet free agent Friday and draft for the New York Islanders. Perhaps a little unexpected or disappointing for some Islander fans out there. So, not that you have a crystal ball or anything, but what do you think might be going on behind the scenes here with the Isles? It has them a little quiet with uh, with the offseason opening up. You know, I think it's the same reason that some other teams are uh, struggling to make them move. Um, it's just not enough cap space and not enough takers for some of the contracts they'd like to be rid of. Uh, you know, I, I imagine that when Lou uh, Lamarillo spoke um, last week, um, early in the week, first time he really addressed uh, the media since the, the season ended, um, you know, he seemed pretty optimistic about some of the, the internal moves that, that he was, uh, they, they knew they needed to make. And he didn't specify, of course, but I think everybody understood that there were, you know, four or five candidates uh, on, you know, kind of large contracts that needed to be moved out. You could speculate about how they would get that, get that done, but he seemed to feel that it could get done. And as the days go on, and, and you know, this 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 week um, between the draft and just a day between the draft and free agency, kind of a condensed time frame from the usual years. Uh, you know, he got the sense when he talked to him after the draft was over that it was maybe uh, he discovered a, it was a little bit harder to move those contracts. And I think we saw. A couple of people get moved um, to create some cap space, but not a ton. And, and a lot of those guys that got moved either had pretty big sweeteners with them. You think of Mark Stahl going to Rangers to Detroit with a second round pick. Paul Stastny just kind of dumped for nothing. Um, you know, Toronto dumped a couple of players who were in their prime for nothing. And the Islanders guys aren't quite as attractive, I guess, whether because of the money they're owed or, or where they are in their careers. So, um, you know, I think. Not being able to move any of those contracts out, and with with their three big restricted free agents still sitting out there, uh, it makes it a little bit tough to go shopping on that unrestricted free agent market. Arthur, I'm curious. Obviously, you know, you mentioning the the players that the Islanders do need that have to need to move that have the more egregious contracts that are hindering here. But how how much of a struggle is it for Lou, considering the the number of sweeteners he'd probably need to move, say? you know, a Johnny Boychuk, or if he wanted to explore the, or re-explore the idea of getting Zach Parisi and putting Andrew Ladd in there and all the financial complications, how, how much more tougher is that job for him considering, like you were alluding to, the maybe not as attractiveness as some of the Islanders players that they need to move? Yeah, they, um, you know, they don't have a lot of sweeteners, I think, is, is the first problem. Um, they traded their first and second round pick. Just went by earlier this week in the Jean Gabriel Test deal, and obviously that trade in the short term worked out very well for the Islanders. Pedro was such a key part of that playoff run. Uh, you know, they signed him to a long-term deal, so you feel like it's worth it. But at this time of the year, if you, if you feel that there's other ways that you want to try to upgrade and you need to get some cap flexibility, you have to have those high picks. And, and even next year, um, not having a second-round pick, which they gave up for Andy Green, right? Um, you know, you're looking really at just that first-round pick. Uh, and to go without a first and second-round pick in two consecutive years, you know, unless you win back-to-back Stanley Cups, it's going to sting to really deplete your prospect pool like that. So, um, you know, I'm sure that he is reluctant to give up that, that first-rounder next year. Um, and in terms of prospects to throw in, I think in the, in the flat-cap world, you know, I think, other teams want to be able to have that flexibility themselves and say we'd much rather have a pick that's going to be in the 20s rather than a prospect who we've already seen a lot and maybe you know we're not as high on as the Islanders were. Um, 
So it's uh, it's a difficult spot to be in at any time, but it's particularly difficult this year. And, uh, you know, you, you look at a team like Vegas, which seems to be very close to signing Alex Petrangelo, and they're just as cap-strapped as the Islanders are. Well, it sounds like they're going to be moving out Nate Smith, pretty much the number two defenseman. And, and that's, I think, where you start getting into the area now of, you don't want to call it desperation, but um, you start to have to consider to move players that you wouldn't want to move normally, you know, whether it's, um, you know, I think Nick Letty has kind of fallen into the category of a guy that uh, has played well for the Islanders and certainly played well for them in the playoffs, but uh, no, he doesn't have any trade protection. He's got a couple of years left with a pretty high cap number. Uh, he's got a lot of cash coming to him. Um, so that would really be the reason you'd move him. And now you're kind of moving on even from that and saying, do we have to consider moving a guy like Josh Bailey? Do we have to consider moving someone like Casey Sezikis to, to free up some, some precious cap space? And those are two guys the Islanders absolutely don't want to move. Um, but maybe they have to start considering it because you, if you want to make some, some key changes uh, in the flat cap world, you have to clearly it seems like you're going to have to sacrifice guys that you didn't want to get rid of in the first place. So you've moved on from the the, the contracts and the players that aren't quite as central to, to what you're doing to guys that are central to what you do. And, and whether Lou is ready to make that leap or not, he hasn't yet. Whether he's ready to make it this, this coming week, we'll have to see. And obviously, Arthur, one of the, the main reasons the Islanders are in this situation and why they, they really need to do it too, obviously, is the the consideration that they have three um, important restricted free agents that they have to sign. In particular, they have Matt Barzal they need to sign. Where, if anything, as the negotiations with the Islanders and Matt Barzal stand, and obviously this is one thing a lot of people have been talking about up to free agency and even as we've gone through the start of free agency, and that is the offer sheet. And, I, you know, I've said it on this program before. I don't think they anyone offer sheets anyone this year, especially not Matt Barzal at this particular point because they don't have a lot of cap space, a lot of these teams. Where is, in your mind, does that stand as well? Does anyone have the gall to offer sheet anyone, anyone else's player, let alone a Matt Barzal? Uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. You know, I think that was kind of, the, the way it was looking even before free agency started, I'm sure that Matt Barzell's camp would love to get a couple offers. I think the thing about an offer sheet is, as a player, you have to you could, you need to accept it first. It's, it's essentially like an unrestricted free agent contract offer, but just that when you sign it, the team that owns your rights has to change the match. Um, so he doesn't have to accept it if it's say if it comes from an organization that he's not too excited about. It. But um, so I think that's number one, just because the team that you might be excited to go to is the Matthew Barzell, a team that's uh, as close as the owners are to maybe winning a Stanley Cup or even closer. It doesn't have the cap space to shell out, uh, or the you know, or the stomach to to shell out such a big enough number that the owners wouldn't accept it and would take two firsts and a second and a second and a third if it's uh, I think up to you know in their eight to ten million dollar range or above ten point nine then four first round picks. Um, I don't think this is the era of hockey where, where teams are going to be willing to do that. So um, that's kind of the most practical standpoint. And I think what you've seen so far with the Islanders not maybe making a big play, say for a, a top nine forward, uh, a top nine winger who's uh, good on the power play, um, is that kind of, you know, you have to hold your bullets to see what happens. I, I don't think the, the, the negotiations with Matthew Barzell are, 
front burner right now. I think you have to focus on unrestricted free agents and presumably have to focus on trying to get rid of some salary. But if you fail to do all that um, and you sign someone, then you're really a bit more hamstrung. You know, I think they were helped a bit by both Brian Pollock and Devon Hayes filing for arbitration the other day. That uh, that means they can't get an offer sheet. Um, and others can still negotiate uh, whatever kind of contract they want with both of them. But at a minimum, if they go through arbitration, they'll both end up with either one or two year deals. Um, they won't be astronomical deals. You won't be buying back years of unrestricted free agency. So you got to do it all over again in a year or two. But uh, at least it kicks the can down the road, and you're not worried about someone coming in to post those guys. So it's really, it's really mostly about keeping keeping uh, some options open with Barzal. Uh, it certainly seems like unless it's a crazy number that they would it would be an instant match. But if you do that, then you've really got to be able to move some other stuff out, and you can't kind of you know. For right now, I don't think they could be in there. Uh, like we saw with Taylor Hall signing just a little while ago for a year and eight million in Buffalo. Yeah. You say, why wouldn't the Islanders do that? It's like, well, eight million for next year is is a big chunk. So uh, you know, I think that's that's the main reason why. But uh, but I think with Barzell, it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit of time, and it's you know, it may take a, even a, a bit longer than we think, getting closer to whenever training camp will be, whether it's. December or on into January, um, you know, I think that you just have to, uh, you know, if I think from Lou's standpoint, it's more assuring Barzell's camp that, that he's a priority and that, uh, that they have the, the kind of the flexibility to make sure that they can send off what, whatever might come, even if it's a really remote possibility. Right, for sure. And just to, to keep it on these RFAs for a second, I know you've written about it in The Athletic, but... Where, because of the situation that the Islanders are in, and because it seems that Lou has to be very mindful and delicate with this cap situation, where do you see these contracts ultimately going for guys like Barzell, Pollock, and Taves? You know, with taking that into consideration with the amount of years and, and you know the hit towards the cap, where, where do you ultimately see those going? You know, with Barzell, I think just given the, you know what, even what we've seen from some of these unrestricted free agents, you know, I'm curious to see what. Alex Petrangelo's deal is going to look like um, different situation, obviously, with the unrestricted versus restricted, and Petrangelo plays a different position. But Barzell, you know, um, I got to believe, and I believed this before we all, you know, before free agency got underway, that it's going to be something in the two or three year range, um, something on the order of seven million per. Uh, that seems to be a reasonable number. Maybe it'll be a little bit less, given what you know. There hasn't been big, big money thrown around. Um, and going so short, he'll, you know, it won't even take him to unrestricted free agency. So he'll get another, you know, at least another bite at the apple, maybe two, um, when revenues are up uh, in the league, hopefully when, when the pandemic is behind us and there's fans in the seats and, and things are a little bit more financially stable around the league. Um, so I think that's a pretty good number and they can structure it in terms of the salary the way a lot of these unrestricted free agent deals have with, uh, with a fairly low number in the first year because there's going to be a ton of escrow this coming year and then a big payout in years two and three. And that'll maybe satisfy Barzell in the, in the short term and, and, you know, encourage him to feel like there's more to come. Uh, the other two guys, you know, I think with, with arbitration kind of looming, uh, I wonder if now, even if what they're negotiating, if they are negotiating, unless it's a very team friendly number, I, I could see both guys also going short term, Probably, you know, maybe a couple of years. I think for certainly for Pollock, um, they'd be willing to go a lot longer because I think he's a guy, he's, you know, as, as the article came 
um, excuse me, as uh, as a piece that I wrote, kind of talking to some some people around the league, agents and, and front office executives. Bullock's a guy. He's the number one guy. So I think arbitration. Um, you, you know, the arbitrator looks at the minutes played and points and things like that, and and it doesn't matter that Pollock isn't a true a true number one defenseman. He's the Islanders' number one, so he's going to get paid like one. Um, so I imagine he'll be up around five million at least, whatever term it is, even in arbitration. And Taves, you know, you're looking at um, maybe around three million or so to be even higher. Um, we'll have to see. You know, like I said, arbitration. Is a funny process because when the player comes in and the team comes in, it's it's a it's more of a split difference kind of situation with the arbitrator. So uh, you could be we could see some wacky numbers because of teams trying to save as much money as possible or players trying to go for as much as possible on a short term deal. Um, so it could be a big a big split between what the team presents and what the player's side presents if it gets that far. So you know, I think in total whatever kind of money that spread out over however many years or that kind of stuff. I think in general, you're looking at between 12 and 15 million uh, on the cap for next year for all these three guys. And uh, with 9 million or so in cap space, uh, it's not hard to do the math that, you know, they're not spending for Taylor Hall and they're not spending for the big, big guys, but there obviously still are some holes to fill. Um, and that's kind of the, the delicate balancing act that they're going through right now. Talking with Arthur Staple from the Athletic, and one of the things that Lou said uh, during a couple of those those uh, media availabilities during the uh, you know after the draft and before, after the season ended was the fact that he wanted to keep the, a lot of this team together. And we've seen a lot of reports and rumors that Andy Green, that Matt Martin, that Derek Broussard are still very much um, the lines of communication are still there, and that the Islanders seem to have an interest in bringing them back. How much of a possibility <laughs> is that? Uh, can, again, considering the, the cap crunch that the Islanders are under, and how long do you think these guys wait before they finally start going and looking at other offers that they may or may not be getting at this point? Well, they'll be looking at other offers, and I, you know, I imagine of the three, um, you know, given the dearth of of quality NHL defensemen, I would imagine that Green is probably the most popular of the three, and. Uh, you know, he's probably in a slightly different situation than those two other guys just because he's 37. He's really only lived in one place in New Jersey for his entire pro career. His, his, his boys were born here in the tri-state area. Uh, you know, I think part of the reason he waived his no-trade clause to come to the Islanders was that he wouldn't have to pick up and move for a long time, even though with the bubble it, it turned out to be uh, a pretty serious move type situation away from the family for that period, but that was for everybody. Um, so I wonder what he's really considering. Um, you know, I, I imagine that uh, with all three of those guys, it's it's again a situation where Lou is expressing interest, but it's right now. If the, if the guys want to sign, any of them want to sign right now, it's going to be very much on the Islanders' terms and very cheap. Um, so, I, you know, I would think it makes sense for all three of them to hear what's out there, but there isn't a lot out there for, for those second-tier guys right now. I, you know, the market is so is so uh, stopped up, at least among the forwards that, uh, you know, I think with the hall signing that might, that might get the, the, t- the higher end going a little bit more. Um, but I wonder how much money is really there on, on quality teams for guys like Martin and Broussard. Um, Matt, obviously four years ago, he, uh, you know, he, he raked in a very good contract from, 
been least GM Lou Amarillo. That's just a four-year deal that just finished up. I don't think he's going to approach that kind of number. Derek Broussard is amounted for a pretty cheap $0.2 million deal for this past year and made did some good things. Um, so, but, but yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's such a strange time that you're not really seeing guys kind of jump at offers for security reasons. I mean, some of them may have, but uh, a lot of guys are just sort of waiting out the market and waiting to see what, what shakes out when teams are able to shed some salary uh, if they can. And then, you know, circling back to, to see what's, what's what and, and or kind of making their decisions. It's, uh, it would be strange to see Matt Martin go again for the second time after he's, you know, really had another triumphant stay um, these last couple of years, capped by a terrific playoff run that he had in five goals in the postseason this year. Um, you know, I think it's kind of a double-edged sword. He, I think he, he showed the league that he can still be a contributor. Um and I think, uh, you know, as far as the Islanders go, the fact that he managed to get back here after, you know, having a disappointing experience in Toronto after a couple of years and, and finding his his confidence again and alongside his two good friends on that fourth line, uh, you wonder if he wants to give that all up again to go somewhere else. It's uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a, such an interesting, confusing time for teams and players, I would imagine, that mm-hmm. uh it's not that surprising that some guys haven't committed so quickly. And like I said, you know, Hall has signed now for a, a unique contract, and I'm sure we'll see guys like Mike Hoffman and, and Tyler Toffoli go in the next couple of days, and then maybe it starts to trickle down where you're you're looking for a couple of dance partners at the the very the very end of the night. So, you know, I think uh, I think the Islanders do have interest in all three right now, but at a very team friendly price, and nobody's ready to commit yet. So. Uh, that one could drag on a little bit longer, or, or maybe we'll see the Islanders, you know, make, make a trade and get rid of a contract uh, that'll free up some space and give them a little bit more uh, breathing room to bring back at, at least a couple of those guys, or go in a different direction and maybe make a bigger splash in free agency. Talking with Arthur Staple from the Athletic. Arthur, one last question before we let you go. I think one thing that did kind of catch a lot of people by surprise on Friday was not anything to do with free agency, but the announcement by the uh, AHL about Kiefer Bellos uh, violating the uh, performance-enhancing uh, performance enhancing substance program. And that seemed to catch a lot of people like, by surprise, like I said. I, I'm curious to get your thought on, A, if you think it had any impact on the Island decision not to bring him to Toronto for the playoffs, and be where you think it puts his prospects going forward with the organization now that this has all transpired, he's been punished, he's he's fulfilled that punishment, and the AHL says there's no further discipline needed and there's no restrictions. Where do you think this puts his future with the organization going forward? Uh, it's not that bright, I would imagine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he was, uh, you know, obviously a guy who was drafted by Garth Snow, so you know, something that was inherited. So you kind of the studying development staff and, the, and obviously the Bridgeport staff carry over, but the guy at the top is different. Um, and and Lou Lamarillo is a guy who you know values things like character and commitment and team first and all that stuff. So this uh, you know this is a mark against Keith Bellows, and obviously it, it does seem to answer a question that we all had, which is why wouldn't you bring 
you know, a 20 goal scorer from the AHL and one of your few young prospects with you to the bubble just mm. in case. So I think that, you know, whether, whether they weren't permitted to do it and didn't reveal it or whether the punishment had already been served and they were just sour on him, um, you know, maybe we'll find that out at some point, but, um, either way, it, it doesn't reflect well on, on Bellows. And, uh, I don't think it, it certainly doesn't do anything for his chances to be a regular in this organization. Um, you know, I think we heard around the trade deadline that he was a guy that was, you know, possibly going to be thrown in that Parise deal. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, admit that when you hear those kinds of things, it makes you wonder, well, like we said, they don't really have hardly any good young forward prospects. Um, so you wonder like what, what's really going on here. And, um, I guess this is, this is one way to answer it, but, uh, yeah, you know, he, he had a, a pretty decent season and I, I thought that, uh, that he was starting to, to kind of turn it around after a really rough first pro year and, had a decent couple of games up in the NHL, scored a goal, scored two goals in a game, and um, you know, so I am I am interested to see what happens with him as we go forward in this offseason. Whether he's a guy that gets thrown into a deal, I think this hurts that situation. Where if you're going to use him as that kind of sweetener, a former first round pick, rather than giving up a future first round pick. I don't think a lot of teams are going to say, huh, well, this guy's just coming off a suspension and you're ready to dump him after a pretty good year. I don't know how much of a sweetener that is. So mm. uh, not a great situation for him, not a great situation for him as far as being an Islander in the future. Um, makes this whole off-season maneuvering even that much tougher. Awesome stuff, Arthur, as always. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Appreciate your time, and I uh, look forward to having you on again. You got it, guys. Thanks a lot. You got it. Take care. All right, folks, that was the great Arthur Staple from The Athletic dropping some knowledge here at Hockey Night New York. And, yeah, Christian, you bring up an interesting topic of conversation. Kiefer Bellows. It was interesting because I think it caught so many people off off guard. Sure did. Because while we're all watching and waiting, all right, is is Lou going to make a trade? Are the Islanders going to sign someone? This kind of 5 p.m. news dump happens that the American <laughs> right. Hockey League drops this this email. This very short email, you know, Kiefer Bellows violates the substance, uh, the performance enhancing, yeah. and it uh, already happened. And yeah, it, and his discipline already happened. Like everything was already in the, the past. whole. The whole thing is is really shady, if yeah. you ask me. You know, like <laughs> when did uh, when did it happen? What exactly were the substances? What impact did it have on his play? These are all questions that people ask. And and to Arthur's point too, if you're trying to use Kiefer Bellows as a sweetener. To, to get one of these deals done, yeah. that's that's a tough sell now. Teams he sure. has a record, um, you know, sort of speak. He has <laughs> he has an incident now. There's a there's a splotch there, and it, it's a tough sell because he did have a pretty decent season. He's a guy when I spoke to Brent Thompson, he was very high on Kiefer Bellows as yeah. the season progressed. So it, it's an, an unfortunate circumstance that, that the Islanders find themselves in, and Kiefer Bellows finds himself too because there are certain situations where. Um, you know, we don't have the all the, the facts of what happened. So it's hard to judge, you know, what exactly occurred and how negatively it really does reflect on his character. It, it, 
It's a lot of hyperbole. We just don't have a lot of answers or facts. Right. And I guess it makes you wonder when it actually happened, That too. was my big thing, too. Like, and, did Lou know about it and try to dump him off on Bill Guerin? I mean, <laughs> that, that would have been incredible. <laughs> but I feel like, I, I mean, I, you, I think you have to go look back and look at the game logs because I don't think he missed a game. I, I, you know, just thinking back to the number of games that mm-hmm. uh, Kiefer Bells played for the American Hockey League, I, I can't imagine a time when um, he wasn't out there, at least, you know, week to week. Right. So that, I, I, that's, but it's a great question. You know, when did this incident occur? Maybe it was during training camp when he was hoping to get a spot for the playoff roster. Maybe something like that, you know, when the teams got together before they all shipped up to Canada. Yeah, he you know? played 52 games in the American Hockey League this year. He played eight in the NHL. That adds up, if my math is correct, and I'm doing it quickly, that's <laughs> all that aligns to the way the season progressed mm-hmm. this year before the COVID uh, pause. Right. So did it happen at the training camp? You know, did it happen before training camp? Were they still te- – like, there's no real answer. <laughs> Could it have happened it at, is a at the, as the AHL season paused? And they were still perhaps doing that, doing these these tests and running these these yeah. diagnostics on the players, and then it came back positive when they were already in the break. There's no answer, and I think that's kind of why it makes it so hard to judge what impact this has on a, on a guy like Keith Bellos. Right. It's it's strange, and I mean, I guess this is just how a Lou Lamarillo run franchise works, where not only do you, you find out about it with little facts, but you find out after the fact. I remember this but, reminds me of when Sean Hill was caught. You remember that oh, years ago? Oh, wow, yeah. And that, that came out right away, and right. it was as it happened and everything like that, and he got suspended. But it's very interesting that it just came and went, and I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, we we disciplined Kiefer Bellows. Well, that's the <laughs> thing. It. I don't even think it's a Lou Lamar- Lou Lamarillo thing. Right. It was an AHL thing. Like yeah. the AHL is the one that put out put out the press release. Right. Right. Um, Lamarillo only commented after the fact, which was right. Really we just may a, not have found out about it at all. Right. <laughs> if it wasn't in the Islanders' hands, you know what right, I mean? Right. 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 Yeah. So I I don't even know if it was in the Islanders' hands at that point. Like the AHL put this notification out. After the fact, so we have no idea when this occurred. Right. It's, it, there's just so many questions. And Lou didn't and want no to say answer. anything about it. He was like, yeah, th- you know, you just read the statement. Right, yeah, exactly. That we're, we have nothing further. Nothing more to add to that. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure he had to because I'm sure I you know I, I reached out. I'm sure Arthur reached out. I'm sure Andrew reached out. Yeah. Andrew Gross uh, from Newsday. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you know, all kind of curious to see if there was any additional comment or additional information that the Islanders or the Bridgeport Sound Dragons could provide about this because it was such a, a weird thing to kind of drop in the middle of this day where everyone right. was focused on on the NHL and what was going to happen, and then this, this nugget about Kiefer Bellis, and you're like, "Wow, what? Yeah, <laughs> what's going? Where on? did that come from? Excuse me. Yeah. So it, it was an interesting turn of events for the day. I mean, other than the fact that there really wasn't much else that was going on as far as the Islanders were concerned. Yeah, and you don't know how serious it is if it's going to be an ongoing problem. If, you know, they still have some sort of faith in him where he can, you know, get past it and still potentially contribute to the organization somehow if they plan on keeping him around, unless, you know, it is true, like Arthur was saying, and he he might have been part of that Parise deal. Right, right. But And they may have no choice because maybe teams really don't want to have anything to do with him once this, now that this news is out, you know, because maybe, yeah. they may, maybe kind of, he's kind of a risk now, and he may have no choice but to find his way to the <laughs> organization, you know. But yeah, it's it's just it's strange times, and it just seems like it's getting stranger. <laughs> yes, there's there's no normal these days. Absolutely not. So where do you want to take it from here, pal? We we touched a little bit 
on the free agent situation and and like like Arthur put it there they're kind of starting to head towards maybe being you know the the last ones at the dance looking for a dance right. partner when it comes to you know some free agents. I mean, there are some names still out there, and what a what a weird contract Taylor Hall just signed with Buffalo yes. today. Can we? I, I feel like we need to, we need to address this just yeah really quickly because it is very fascinating. One year, eight million dollar deal in Buffalo in Buffalo. But maybe to Arthur's point too, he kind of he kind of touched on it that not the teams that are going to be good, and, and it was kind of in the conversation of of when we were talking about Matt Barzal and the and the offer sheet. The teams that have the space, the space to to make these maneuvers, mm-hmm. are not necessarily the teams that you're signing with long term that are going to be cup contenders next year or even you know the year after that. Buffalo is is perennially a team that we're always like, oh, this could be a good team, right? And they're never a good team, <laughs> right? Um, right? Sounds familiar. You know, they have flashes <laughs> of brilliance early in the season, and then yeah. things flounder off pretty quickly. And I think that Taylor Hall kind of maybe sees that and says, all right, this is I can get a decent chunk of change from the Sabres. I can get I a one-year deal. He's and he's from the Toronto area, too, I believe. He? I think so. Have I to check so. that. Yeah. But even even so, it's it's a good one-year deal. He gets It gets him to another next year where potentially things are a little more opened up. The GMs have maybe figured out how to maneuver this new cap, yeah. hard cap that we're in for the, for the foreseeable future. I can't imagine that. We're really breaking this this um, the circumstance around the NHL not being able to move the cap up because mm-hmm. they're not moving the cap they're not moving the cap until they start making money and considering the circumstances surrounding a lot of business in the United States North America and across the world mm-hmm. I don't foresee the NHL really starting to make revenue for the next couple of years yeah. I think it's going to take some time for things to get back to normal financially for these organizations you know how uh, the big question is. Because this league is such a gate-driven league, mm-hmm. how comfortable are fans going to be going into these arenas and sitting, you know, sixteen, seventeen thousand people in a venue well, without the proper circulation, without the proper, you know, I mean, there's so many yeah, circumstances yeah. around it. Well, I mean, the league got very creative with the bubble and they pulled it off. They did a great, great job with it. So I'm sure all those same minds are working on how the hell they're going to get this next season going. And it's just, but the, yeah, there's still just so many questions surrounding it. I mean, you have Gary Bettman the other day, the, the night of the, the draft, saying that they're targeting January 1st now right. for the start of the league. That's all. That's great. That's all well and good. How are you going to do it? What, we don't know what that looks like. What What is the plan? Now, I'm sure it's all fluid because it depends on what happens now over the next couple of months and you know what kind of travel restrictions there might be. I mean, you still, I don't know if, off the top of my head, I don't know if any of the cities that these teams play in or any of those, like, um, you know how, like, New York State has those, like, basically if you fly in but a lot of those cities, city, you have to it, quarantine for two weeks or something like that. A lot of those cities and states waive those for, for certain, for certain ah, things. You okay. look, at, you look okay. at baseball, for instance, Major yeah. League Baseball. New York State is one is one state that has those 14-day quarantine um, regulations in place, but mm-hmm. that wasn't the case for... The teams that were flying in, you know, when the Mets would play, that you know they'd be hosting like the Red Sox or someone. It's teams from these areas that are considered COVID hotspots still, so it right. was not something that those teams specifically had to abide to. But obviously, they were mm-hmm. certainly limited to, a, you know, I'm sorry, a number, a certain number of staff that's allowed to be there. I'm sure there's strict regulation about what they can do, yeah. and what they can't do, and all that stuff. And obviously, we can speculate on what the NHL ends up doing because maybe they do. You know, a league like you know they do divisions, and you're only basically playing within your division within a certain 
uh, geographical region. I know right. that the idea of a Canada-only league has been bantered about right, because right. there is no clear understanding of if the U.S.-Canadian border is going to be open right, in right. time when once things start get starting get back to at least somewhat normal. If we can get a, a, a twenty-one or twenty twenty. 2020-21 season in. You got that? That's tough to say. <laughs> That's tough to say, man. Come on. You did it. You did it. So there's a lot of ideas, I'm sure, in the air. It's the execution that is going to be fascinating. And two, what is the number of people that are going to be allowed in these buildings? New York State, there, you know, fans aren't allowed to attend professional I sporting events. I don't think there's going to be fans in the buildings to start. I think they're going to be playing empty agree. arenas in the beginning. I agree. And then I think or, I mean, this or, is all speculation. Or I could have no like, idea. Or could it be like the NFL where you have certain cities that have fans? Like Dallas has fans in the stands right. for the Cowboys-Giants game. Mm-hmm. Florida, Those you can are, have 65,000 fans in the stadium for a Miami Dolphins game. <laughs> right. So Right. Well, the difference between the NFL also – I believe in most cases, those are all open-air buildings. They are, yeah. So you're talking about a smaller, you know, closed-in arena. And I feel like, you know, if and when they do start bringing fans back, it's going to be at smaller capacity. They're probably going to restrict the gate to, you know, whatever it is, 25%, and then maybe 50% or whatever it is, and they're going to have to space out the seating. It's going to be really interesting to see how that all unfolds and how they're going to be able to pull it off. For a year that they're playing at Nassau Coliseum, that's not the worst venue in the world for that to occur because it's right. already somewhat of a small, intimate venue. So yeah. you're, the number of fans you have in the building at capacity... It's like 13 and change. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's not, I mean, uh, comparable to other NHL venues. It's not a lot. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's obviously still a lot of people. But it, sure. it makes it easier. It makes it less... I guess, weird for that sense because the building's already so small and the capacity is somewhat limited. But I think the other fascinating thing to see about this is where this takes us going forward for for sports venues. Uh, You look at UBS Arena in Belmont. Mm -hmm. They are fully thinking ahead, and they've spent more money thinking ahead to air filtration. Yeah, Yeah. How do we make this safer for fans being in there? They've worked with Northwell Health now. Um, trying to plan this out. And obviously, this past Friday as well, while we were dealing with the NHL free agency, the last beam was put on top of the structure for the UBS arena. That's right. And we will pick up with that after one more brief break. So, folks, want to thank you all once again for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York. You can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com or your favorite podcast providers. We'll be right back. When it comes to Long Island hockey swag, no one does it better than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. If orange and blue are your team colors, visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and newly added masks and tumblers. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HNINY for 15% off your order. Yes, men outfitters, stick to the system. Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Welcome back to the program. You are listening to Hockey Night in New York with Christian Arnold and myself, Sean Cuthbert. And Christian, 
let's pick it up there with the UBS Arena having its topping off ceremony. That's what they were calling it, yeah. Topping off ceremony. The final beam has been placed, so it looks like progress is moving along. And for all you season ticket holders or potential season ticket holders, I believe the, the mailers have started going out. And the seat selection process is either has either begun or about to begin. I know that there's a there's a link floating around out there. You can start looking at the pricing, looking at the different areas to sit. So it's becoming more and more a reality. Uh, whether they're going to let you in the building or not <laughs> for, the, for that season is is still up in the air. But it's 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 coming and it's, it's awesome. I, I love seeing the updated pictures and just you know it's starting to take shape and you're starting to see the. The brick facade, <laughs> the fake brick on the outside, yeah. and it's all coming. It's it's amazing. It's still to me, it's still like too good to be true. I still can't believe it's happening. Yeah, it's uh, it was another important milestone for the construction of that site, which has gone. Um, even considering the fact that they had about a two month pause for at the height of the COVID pandemic, I mean the the, the time frame that this project has has elapsed over is is incredible when you think yeah. about the construction projects in the state of new york especially you know five boroughs long island the idea that a a seventeen thousand seat arena is being constructed in the time frame that is 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 incredible because yeah. you look at some of the other stuff that that's going on on long island in the time frame <laughs> that it's being completed and it's it's yeah. egregiously awful <laughs> so uh it's a it's a Real testament to the work that the entire staff, you know, Oakview and all the different entities that make up the uh, uh, New York Islanders Arena Partners or something like that is right. the LLC. Yeah, um, and it really goes to show you the what they are doing and how special it is and over there. They've been very interactive with the fans too. Like they've been holding a lot of Zoom meetings and I think it's those. they're they're all very smart people as far as marketing and. And PR, and that, you know, they understand what they have to do to make sure that people are there. They've 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 had a very smart and strategic uh, PR campaign as far as getting people into the you know into the preview club to, during the playoffs, and, right? And keeping that at the right. focus too, and, and mm-hmm. making sure you're showing off the details that you want and, and highlighting the certain a- aspects of the arena that that they want. So they've done a very great a great job at that and, and getting that message across that they want about what UBS arena is going to be all about. And obviously the main thing is going to be about hockey. It's going to be about the Islander fans and the experience there for the first time, you know, Islander fans are going to have a real home yeah. that they'll feel like is the New York Islanders home. For you won't the... have to wait a half hour to go to the bathroom. I've heard that line plenty of times. Yeah, that's <laughs> certainly the case. Um, but they're, they're, you know, it's a, it's a testament to the development of that in that area too. You're hoping to see not only the arena go up, but in the same kind of expedient time frame. The shopping district that's over there, the hotel that's planned for yep, over there, the yep. community space, which is going to be an important aspect, I think, for the oh, yeah. surrounding Elmont community, which, which you know, I'm sure would welcome that uh, as well. So there is a lot of aspects to that project beyond the arena that, you know, the arena is great and it's exciting to see, but mm-hmm. can't wait to see the rest of it come to fruition because it is such an important uh, economic engine in this region, or it will be an important economic engine in this region when it's complete, especially considering the circumstances now mm-hmm. with everything going on with COVID. Right. And I'm very curious. I mean, look, we have a lot of time to find this out and it's all kind of off the rails right now because of the, you know, COVID situation, and everything <laughs> like that. But like, I do wonder, I, I believe uh, John Ledecky recently said that they've sold 80% yes. of the tickets, which mm-hmm. is incredible, which is amazing. The fact that 
at the least, the building should be 80% full on a nightly basis. Right. Whether people decide to show up or not is, is, is another question. But, you know, y- you got a hint of this with Barclays, and obviously that went south because <laughs> of the sight lines and people weren't happy with the train scheduling and all that sort of thing. But I wonder if we're going to see a new approach from the fan base with this new arena, like, is it going to be full or next to full on most nights? Or are we still going to, once the shine wears off, right? Brand new arena, everybody's excited. So obviously people are going to be looking to get in, you know, at the beginning, you know, who knows how long that lasts. But like, when people finally get used to it, is it, are we going to start seeing those Tuesday night games against the Winnipeg Jets where the place is like half empty? Like, is it still going to be that way, or, or are fans going to finally... And I'm not... This isn't me calling out the fans or anything like that. Just just genuine curiosity. I know everybody out there has got, got their own lives, and they've got different things to worry about. But, you know, is it is it going to be different? Like, <laughs> because, I mean, just from years of going to the Coliseum, and then you see with the Barclays Center. I mean, after that first year, maybe even before the first year was over, you were already seeing tickets going up for 7 bucks a piece on sites like StubHub, because you, you couldn't... You couldn't give the tickets away to go to these games. So I wonder if, if UBS finally changes that and there's actually going to be a regular demand for Islander tickets. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think a great comparative of that is going to be the Prudential Center across the way in Newark. Mm-hmm, okay. You know, you think about the fan base of the New Jersey Devils and you think about the the fan base of the New York Islanders, and I'm sure a lot of people won't like the next comment that comes out of my mouth, Uh-oh. but similar to the way, the fact that Long Island and New Jersey are essentially the same place, just Uh-oh. in different states. <laughs> I think the, how I, how should I phrase this? I think be careful, pal. I'm trying to be as careful as I can here. <laughs> you got a lot riding on this. I think the comparative nature of how, small but passionate the two fan bases are comparative to, say, the New York Rangers or another big market team, right? Because the New York Islanders and and New Jersey Devils both have the same issue. They're essentially a small small market team Mm -hmm. in a big market, right? Yeah, no, it's true. Just not in Manhattan. And that's the problem. That's the problem that the Devils have had for the entire time. It's the problem the Islanders have had the entire time. Right. So you look at Prudential Center, and I think when the team's competitive— that building is relatively filled night in, filled night in and night out. Mm-hmm. When the Devils are struggling, when the, you know the teams towards the lower half of the standings, there's a lot more space in that building. I think it's going <laughs> right. to be the same thing with the UBS Arena. If the Islanders are consecutive, uh, consistently competitive, you'll see a more consistent crowd there. You see people continue that interest, and the fans will be there to support. And and like anything else in this town, when the team's not doing well. People just don't show up. It's the same thing with the New York right. Mets, the New York Yankees, right. all these other teams. Sure. The only the only teams that are, uh, for whatever reason, I mean, I know the reason that they aren't <laughs> impacted by this is the New York, New York New York Knicks and the New York Rangers. And that's because Madison Square Garden, if nothing else, is a place where you go as a tourist. It's a place to be seen. They say it's the world's most famous arena. You, it's more. It's a vanity <laughs> event for people yeah. in, in most in most cases, right? Mm. Because you're not you're not seeing the average Nick fan there filling up the garden when the Knicks are twelve and forty nine. <laughs> you know, on game eighty one of the season, I'm not even sure if the math adds it up doesn't, correctly. It doesn't. But my, but you understand the point. Yeah, I got. It's you. the same thing with the New York Rangers. People, yeah. it's Madison Square Garden. It's a tourist attraction. People go there because it's it's a place to go to. You know, City Field is not a place to go to. Yankee Stadium is not a place to go to in, in, in some regards. Uh, you know, Prudential Center, well, Nassau Coliseum, Barclays. 
those aren't events that are must go to events for the most part when there's ha- when when I when the Islanders are playing at Barclays Center for instance it's not the same thing as when the Nets are there and it's more of a you know you're going to be seen there you're going to like just do something on a Tuesday night right that's it's a much easier sell that way basketball is a much easier sell that way mm-hmm. um the garden like i was saying it is a place where people go because it's as much of an attraction the building is as much of an attraction as whatever is going on there mm-hmm. so if you're in town as a tourist you're going to a Knicks game you're going to a Rangers game I've seen it when people there, people go, same thing with Barclays actually a little bit, which was interesting. You'd get on the elevator, go up to the top tier where the press section is, and you'd have people who are not necessarily hockey fans or not necessarily Islander fans that are there to just experience something at the Barclays Center. Right, right, right. So UBS isn't going to have that same draw, I don't think. I'm sure the people who run UBS would not, don't love the idea of me saying that, but (laughs) I think that's more or less kind of the idea. It's not going to be, you know, it's not Madison Square Garden. It's not a knock on the building. It's just factual yeah right? no i hear you i hear you it'll be interesting and you know we got time to see what what comes of it i it'll mean it'll be a great venue for sure oh yeah no i can't wait it's gonna be amazing i just hope we can get in there <laughs> i hope they let us in when when they open it we'll see but look they're gonna have the train station eventually that'll you know add another wrinkle to it and you they're gonna have the shopping center around it and stuff and i mean look as long as look all that matters is that the Islanders are going to be playing hockey there for a very long time. That's all that matters. <laughs> and there, there's only going to be, I think, about eight, eight like, sweets, traditional sweets, like, you know, high-end things. So it's not a place for, only like... Only eight? I think so. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. Um, that sounds very low. It does, but it's on purpose because the idea is to focus on the fan. You know, okay. the traditional fan experience. It's not a place where, you know, there's a thousand luxury boxes because you're trying to sell it to... JetBlue and to sure, you know sure, Atlantic sure. Health or you know all these different places that usually buy those those a very very expensive suites right so interesting that's the idea there's a lot of different clubs going to be in the arena there's different amenities that are that are certainly there but the focus again has always been in the, and they've continued this this campaign to make sure people are aware of it the focus is on the hockey fan on the Islander fan so that they feel at home for the first time in a long time in, in a building that, that is theirs. That is yes, truly that's theirs. all that matters. Whether people fill it or not, as long as they're playing, we have the option to go. <laughs> that's all that matters to me. And we still got a little time for that. And I guess just before we wrap up here, which we, we have to do relatively soon, is, uh, Christian, what are the Islanders going to do? <laughs> what, what are they going to do, man? What's going to happen oh, between it's great, now and training camp? It's a great question. Things, <laughs> things have to happen. They obviously have to make... The moves to free up the cap space because they're not going to lose a Matt Barzal. They're not going to lose a Ryan Pulak. They're not yeah. going to lose a Devon Taze. I know people are not as high on Taze as they used to be, which I, which I found kind of fascinating considering yeah. his importance to the to the blue line. He had, he had some, some missteps during the playoffs. Certainly not you know, worthy of casting them off. Right. But, you, but yeah. you've seen it too. I'm not crazy, right, on social yeah, media yeah, where yeah, people yeah. are like, oh, De- Devontae sucks. So let's just get rid of him. Yeah, well, again, he, he had a couple of errors that unfortunately ended up being glaring during the playoffs, right? It was the one on the on the power play, right, where he had the puck at the point and he coughed the puck up and yeah. ends up going yep, down for yep, a goal. Yep. So, yeah, he was noticeable. I even commented on it. But, again, like, it certainly didn't drive me to the point where I was like, oh, wow, we, we, <laughs> we were so wrong about Devontae. <laughs> he's got to go. Right, right. Yeah. No, that, that was that – was, so I found that kind of interesting. So they, the, the, but that's the, but that's the bottom line. Those are the three big restricted free agents that they need to lock up. 
They're obviously important to the future of this organization and the future success of this organization. And then it, the focus becomes re-signing or, or finding guys to plug in that can help make this roster better going forward. And that's going to be the real tough thing because after you move some of these guys, you're kind of like Arthur alluded to, where maybe we're getting to a point where you have to trade a Josh Bailey or or, or a Varlamov. Maybe that's where all this chatter is coming from, where Lou finally has come to the realization where getting rid of Boychuk is going to be tough if you don't have a better sweetener in there. Getting rid of Ladd is going to be tough if you don't have a better sweetener there. Right. Well, what does that mean? It means you got to look at some of the other contracts that are a bit heavy mm-hmm. and and lengthy, mm-hmm. and but there may be guys that you do like and you want to keep. So these are tough discussions. I'm very happy I'm not Lou Lamorello because I don't know how <laughs> I'd figure this out. Yeah, and it's I'd just... probably just quit and be like, it's your problem now. <laughs> right, give it to the next. Give it to my son. Chris is ready. Yeah. <laughs> I'm retired. Yeah, well, that, that's coming soon, too. I mean, I I don't... I mean, not that we have we can get into a conversation about that right now, but we got to remember how old he is. <laughs> you know, eventually, he is going to hang it up. But anyway, uh, back to back to the point, back to the discussion. Um, yeah, I, I just find it so funny just because, you know, when he's interviewed, he said, yeah, I want to bring everybody back, huh? How are you going to do that? And I forget about the cap space, but just the, even the room on the roster. How are you keeping all these guys once once you get to names like Kunakel and and stuff like that? Like, how do these guys, you know, what, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, we we mentioned Broussard. We figured he was on his way out, too. They're talking to Broussard. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, hey, look, he, he must have some kind of game plan because he obviously will have to shift some salaries and some contracts somewhere else if he does end up hanging. Like, if we start seeing... You know, the announced signings of Derek Broussard and Andy Green soon, then you, then you know just there's more stuff coming down the pike. It's just it's just hard to really figure out what the hell he's going to do because of the situation that they're in. It that it really makes it tough. I mean, this is the circumstance, again, no one foresaw coming. And I don't think, you know, every in fairness, every NHL GM is, is navigating this bizarre scenario yeah. in their own way. We do have a bit of breaking news here. Is that Sean. right? The ECHL, the uh, second tier, I guess, of the minor league hockey system. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, in conjunction with the Professional Hockey Players Association announced today mm-hmm. that they uh, will commence their season, their 2020-2021 season, mm-hmm. beginning December 11th, 2020, under a split season format. Interesting. A split season format. What does that mean? Under the split season guidelines, the following 13 teams will begin a 72-game season on December 11th. Uh, that's Allen, which is in Texas, Florida, Greenville, Indiana, Jacksonville, Kansas City, Orlando, Rapid City, South Carolina, Tulsa, Utah, Wheeling, and Wichita. Okay. Uh, additionally, the remaining ECHL teams after that will begin their season on January 15th, 2021, competing in a 62-game season uh, upon jurisdiction approval. Interesting. Well, that could be a preview of something we might see. The Atlanta Gladiators have elected to a voluntary suspension for the 2020-21 season due to COVID-19 restrictions, uh, I'm assuming, in Atlanta. So that is the news. They are planning to return to play in 21-22. And their players will become immediate free agents for the 2020-21 season. Wow. So, but that is a bit of breaking news that uh, I just saw come across the Look wire. The ECHL has a plan in place and a date in place to commence their season. So there is hope that okay. perhaps you know we're, we talked about um, you know leagues that are gate driven. 
I mean, minor league hockey doesn't get more gate driven than that. The American <laughs> right, Hockey right. League didn't didn't do a playoffs because they they knew they couldn't financially stabilize it right. with no fans in the building. So right. the ECHL it can it it is needs that even more than the AHL. So right. fascinating to see they're they're managing to pull it off, and it's exciting. It gives hockey fans some hope that there is a light at the end of the tunnel for a twenty 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 one season. Yeah, and like I was starting to say, maybe it's a preview. Nobody cares what you what you say. Oh, oh, okay. Well, then we might just as well kidding. wrap it up then. Just kidding. <laughs> what, what, finish your thought. Uh, I was and just saying. I was just saying that maybe this is a preview of what might happen with the NHL when they get creative and do something weird like that. It's so strange. And the last question I'll leave you with, Christian, before we we do close the book on on this episode. I'm tired of your questions. Well, you're getting one more, so deal with it. And there's a name that's been floating around that has been tied to the Islanders, which, you know, I still don't understand how that's possible. But I will entertain it anyway. Line A, Patrick Line A. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think that's even remotely possible? I don't know how they do it. I don't know financially yeah. how they pull that off. Um, again, it's all contingent on Lou finding a way to free up that cap space, yeah. locking up Matt Barzal, Pulak, and all these other restrictor free agents, and then still having money left over. And that seems like a tall order considering the yeah. cap crunch that they're in now where they have not made a, a, a single move other than the addition of A.J. Greer, who is a restricted free agent, or Kyle, Kyle Burroughs, who right. is a restricted free agent. So, right. I mean, there's that. I, I don't know how it happens. Truthfully, yeah. I don't know how it happens. And you may have noticed that um, we... We were planning on talking about the draft, <laughs> but really, as far as the Islanders go, nothing really happened. <laughs> you know, they picked three through seven. They picked a bunch of guys, let's face it, that most of us haven't heard of before and we know nothing about. They picked them. They hope to be a part of the organization one day. And, you know, we, we were hoping maybe there'd be a trade or a deal that the Islanders are involved in that we could be talking about, but just didn't happen. So I don't think we're going to waste your time. With talking about those guys that were drafted third through seventh. You can... I don't even think it's a waste of time, per se. I think it's just the fact that these are guys who, like we were talking about on the, on our draft preview show, that, you know, it's such a crapshoot with a lot yeah. of these guys that it's hard to... Hope rip. they pan out. And it, it, it's hard to be fair and, and objective and, and, you know, really have an educated opinion. on Because we don't have one. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> yes. One more time. gracious. And on that note... <laughs> All right, folks, on that note, I think we will. Was there anything else you want to cover real quick before we get going? Or I think we're good, right? I'm tired of you. So I'm tired of go. you, too. All right, we're going to wrap it up, folks. <laughs> so I want to thank you once again for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York. I want to send a big thanks to Arthur Staple of The Athletic for hopping on and helping us out. Big thanks to our sponsors, Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great service, and great Islander fans. And check out the menu at BlueLineDeli.com. And also a big thanks to our sponsor, Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at TieTechnology.com. That's T-I-E Technology.com for all your telecom needs. Or give them a call at 516-856-7800. Thanks to you for tuning in. Remember, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast providers. Tell your friends. Spread the word. Follow Christian on Twitter at C underscore Arnold zero one. Follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. Follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We've got some fun things in mind for the next week or two. So we'll be back next week, and we will see you then. For Christian Arnold, my name is Sean Cuthbert. Have yourselves a great rest of your Sunday night.